everybody. Welcome to Augmenters. I'm Julie. And this is Jimmy. Hello. We are two business founders who started out as solopreneurs, yet found our greatest success when working with others. Mentoring is key to incredible relationships, and the Augmenters platform will help you get further faster because great relationships lead to better business and more fulfilling lives. You are here because you want to help others shine and see the light in themselves. We will support you in your mentoring journey with advice, tools, and stories that will augment your relationships to the next level. So strap on your ear pods, prepare to listen generously, and become an augmenter with us. Jimmy, I forgot my headphones again. No worries. Just turn up the volume to this next Augmenters episode. Wow, Jimmy. Wow. Yeah? Wow. That's all I can say. Wow. What a mind-blowing episode. Chef Brother Luck. Wow. Chef Brother Luck. I agree. There are a few times where I'm almost speechless. And I have to say, I'm almost speechless. Can you believe that, Jimmy? It seems like that never happens. Yeah, I'm not going to believe it. What do you have to say? <laughs> I feel like I got a little bit of the blueprint of how to share vulnerably and how important it is to actually really tell your story. I feel like Chef Brother Luck had some really good actual tools and ways to be able to do that and made it feel okay and also made it feel like what you should do. Chef Brother Luck really lays it out with his phrase of your story isn't for you. Your story is to be shared to others. And he gets into real specifics about how empowering yourself empowers others. And it's an incredibly motivational story with ups and downs, very low, low, low times. And yet he seems so on point, so clear in his focus. And he really does give an F. Seriously. No Luck's Given is a great title. But this man is going to talk about family, faith, and food, and then get into fitness, finances, and fun. Fabulous. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Even though that's a PH. Without further ado... Here we go. Chef Brother Luck, welcome. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Tell us a little bit about your story. You know, my story uh, started off great. Uh, two parents grew up in San Francisco, and then tragedy sparked. And um, my father passed away in one day. You know, my mother, being the, the widow raising two children, um, struggled to find her way and eventually landed herself in prison. So the streets adopted me, the kitchens adopted me, they brought me in, I found family. And over the last 25 years, uh, I've, I've lived in that world. So from coming in as a dishwasher and scrubbing pots to eventually becoming an executive chef of major corporations, and now being an independent owner, celebrity chef, cooking on television, beating Bobby Flay, being on Top Chef, all of that all of that success and perceived success still doesn't trump what's broken on the inside. And I think it's extremely important to talk about those breaking points and those parts of where you're ready to give up on yourself or when you do give up on yourself. My mind is blown. This is not what I expected you to say so quickly. And because it is really about that deep connection and it is really about sharing your authentic stories. But what I find sometimes it's tough to get people to share those authentic stories and to be able to get them to really share vulnerably and honestly with you. How are you able to get that from the people that you mentor? 
I'm, I'm curious how you feel, even when things kind of go sideways. Yeah, you know, uh, as a chef, our leadership styles are completely different than most. And I've, I've learned this as I've sat on committees and I've sat on boards and I've worked with people in other industries. A chef lives in the problem and has to constantly have the solution because my day is constant pressure. I feel the weight on my shoulders. I feel things breaking. I feel things crumbling and I've still got to stand at attention. I still have to command. I still have to lead. I need people to feed off of, of my body language. So it's extremely important to really focus on what we call in the kitchen mise en place. It's, it's a term that we use, which means to have everything in its place. And it's how we prepare for the evening. It's how we prepare for the problems. We anticipate them. That mentality I've actually shifted into my life. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to go sideways. And, and how you embrace that fear, how you embrace that struggle, how you handle that moment is what's going to allow you to, to, to overcome, to overachieve, to, to, to persevere beyond the, the subtleties of the day. I mean, take the pandemic. Every restaurant was closed. Big curveball. Yeah, big curveball. No one had a plan for that, especially restaurants. And, and to not be able to open your doors and serve your guests. How do you keep your business alive? How do you fight? And you have to dig down deep. You have to know that it's not about you. It's about the families that work for you. Because when I hire an employee, I don't hire just that employee. I hire their family. And I, I take that personal. So Chef Brother, you sound like you have a lot of clarity around your leadership style and how that shows up in your restaurant and in your work. How did that come to you? Was there somebody ahead of you, perhaps a mentor that shared that with you or replicated that for you. I'd love to hear who inspired you. You know, I, I think when you grow up in the streets, when you grow up in a very urban environment, it's literal life or death in your decision making and the people who are leading you, guiding you, giving you direction. Some of the things they're going to ask you to do are going to be violent. They're going to be, you know, law breaking. And you learn to think on your toes because of that. You have to be so aware of your situations that you can't risk your freedom, you can't risk your life. And as I've transitioned into corporate America and now as, a, as an entrepreneur and as an independent, those lessons and principles are still the same. It's just, I'm legal in what I'm doing. I'm still selling product. I'm still marketing on a corner. I'm, I'm a corner kid with a corner office now. But the mentality of what I learned in my youth from drug dealers, from pimps, from all the hustlers, from the bangers. That gave me so much awareness into how to handle myself and also how to navigate the waters. I'm curious though, there is a style. There is like, I totally get what you're saying. I love this. Like there is that hustle. I mean, there are so many parallels, right? Between what you're describing life on the streets and describing an entrepreneurship environment. Was there any, you know, kind of specific mentor that kind of took you over that bridge? Because obviously there is still elements of emails and documents and contracts and that kind of stuff that is different. Anybody kind of took you over that or you just kind of picked it up on your own? You know, I, I think what we're talking about right now is the foundation, right? And in my book, I write a lot about my bad mentors and that was them. Those were bad mentors. There was great lessons, but there's things I didn't want to emulate. Great so lessons, but in, bad mentors. I love that. I haven't heard that before. As I got into corporate, I found great mentors. I found people who built me up, people who didn't want something from me. They wanted me to perform. They, they gave me confidence. And as they gave me confidence, we developed trust because I think a good mentor is someone who can develop trust with you and eventually become a friend. But that requires you to drop walls and become vulnerable. Amen to that. Chef brother, I love the corner kid hey, with a corner that's office. Jay-Z. That is, <laughs> it's literally bringing it from the streets now to the podcast. And how do you find some lightness in your day? Because you've clearly thought really 
long and hard and tested and then pivoted and adjusted your leadership style, which obviously uh, relies a lot on your communication style, seems to be quite direct, well thought out. Where do you find some levity in your day? Where do you find some joy? And how have some mentors helped kind of show you that these are areas that when you let your guard down, you can slough the weight off the shoulder for a minute and, yeah. you know, actually just I, I think so many of us in the, in the work field are, are chasing validation. We're chasing the next title. We're chasing the next position. We're chasing that big office. And as we chase that, we lose sight of what's our priorities, right? Your priority becomes work. And then we get taught this, this work-life balance principle never existed. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as work-life balance. You have to lose work and life to just find balance. And when you can drop those two, you then start to get back to, why am I doing this in the first place? What is the why? Where is my priorities going? And I got to a point in my life where, you know, I had good friends in my life that were no longer there. And when I asked my wife, how come I don't have any friends? She said, it's because you created that perception that you're too busy. So they stopped inviting you. This is you. This isn't them. And I had to change my focus to say, okay, where are my priorities? I want my priorities to be faith, family, food in that order. And I'm going to screw that up every day, but I have to remember that. And I had to be the one to reach out. I had to be the one to reestablish connections. I had to be the one to find time for myself to say, you know what? I need a round of golf a week. That's four hours of checkout, phone off, quiet, peace, something I want to do for myself. And that changed everything over the last two years. But it was the pandemic pause button that was so important because I was go, go, go as many others before that happened. Chef brother, you are like my alliteration goals here and how you speak. You just dropped a bunch of F-bombs with faith, family, and food. And you said the pandemic pause, we'll have to figure out what a noun instead of button to throw after that. Uh, later on. But uh, what did you shoot last week in your round of golf? I shot 79. Damn. Okay. I'm clean okay. with it. I'm clean with uh, it. <laughs> for real. And when you're out on the course, I got to assume that that is just such a physical break from your work. And how has that allowed you to maybe find mentoring relationships by not having to be in your place mm -hmm. of business when interacting with others and something that brings you joy? So when I was 19 years old, I worked under this German chef. And I asked Chef one day, I walked into his office as he was sitting there with his pen and his paper. And I said, Chef, what do I have to do to be a good chef? He said, play golf. Really? Play golf. And I looked at him and I was like, Chef, where I'm from, we don't play golf. We play basketball. We play football. And he said, who plays golf? And I go, rich white people? That's who runs the world. He goes, exactly. <laughs> the access that you will get, the access that you will get on a golf it. course, you will never get in a boardroom. You will never get in a, in a, in a restaurant setting or, or in an office. The beauty of golf is there's no defense in golf. So it's a game of you against yourself, which now... For me, this is why my managers hate playing golf with me. For me, I'm watching your body language to understand who you are because your nonverbal communication is very, very on display. Do you go for it or do you play it safe? Can you control your emotions when it, things get tough or do you break down, right? Do you resort to finding some kind of, of numbing mechanism because it's a hard day? There's so many lessons that I watch right, when I see people play golf, but it's also how I approach golf. This is a game against me and that's life. But doesn't the course win sometimes? I mean, it's not just against you. The course is playing some D. Doesn't life win sometimes? Got him. All right. <laughs> you guys weren't expecting exactly. this. Exactly. <laughs> 
is incredible how often golf has come up in this pod. It's pretty exciting as we're talking about mentoring golf. And I think neither Jimmy nor I are golfers, but I feel like that's going to have to change us against life. Julie, I'll stay on your bag. I'll go back to (laughs) one of my first job roots. One thing too, you know, earlier we talked about faith and uh, food as being my priorities, but you also have to include those other three, right? We have we have fitness, we have finance, and we have fun. So I, I think you've got to balance that other part too, because those are important as well. So for me, golf allows you to get out, allows you to walk, it allows you to, to embrace nature, it's fun. And people who play golf usually have a lot of money. So I'm gonna <laughs> ask questions, right? How did you get to where you're at? How do I get there? What would you do different if you were my age? These are things that I ask all day long because I played and worked in so many country clubs for so many years. So mentoring on the course, we talk a lot, so many different ways about mentors, kind of the formal mentor, the informal mentor, the spot mentor, the mentor that just shows up out of nowhere. And I love that kind of, where are the people that you want to understand better? Where are they? So for you, as you're like rich white people, all right, how did you get there? Let me understand that. But that's a really big aha I hadn't thought of is how do you find whatever group it is that you really want to be a part of and and where are they and how do you humbly kind of mm-hmm. get involved with what they're doing that's a great nugget I think to think about for folks who are looking whether because our audience is a lot of times you know new grads or people who are just coming into the workforce who are just kind of thinking about where do I want to be who do I want to be around so it's kind of like schools of fish right like where yeah. are those fish that you're looking for and how do you jump in the water with them yeah you've got to identify a destination, right? We never get in a car and just drive. You have a destination of where you're going, which means you have to get directions. You've got to go this many miles, make a left, go this many miles, stop at the red light, go this many miles and you've reached your destination. Gas is expensive. So when we set these short-term goals, we set these long-term goals, it allows you to have a destination to begin to find your directions. And I think when you're looking for mentors, you're looking for things you want to accomplish, you have to identify where are those people, which gives you a destination. Where are those things that you want that give you that destination? But stay humble. There are too many people in the world with too much education and too much experience for you to know everything. So why would you ever be cocky? I learn from my dishwashers. I learn from my cooks, my servers, my bartenders. I love hearing their life experiences to give me more perspective as I continue on mine. I hear you. If somebody can't say, I don't know, it's probably a great reason to get moving. And I think it's something that a lot of individuals should be looking for more with their mentoring relationships that both the mentor and the mentee can say, I don't know. That's where you can really find some growth. But I want to bring it back to the golf course for a second and how you describe the way you play, where you are, I assume it's not as uh, critically aggressive as you're sitting there with your arms crossed watching people tee off on the seventh tee and just slice it into the water. But uh, how do you make it fun and both like productive for folks who know that you cherish the game so much and that you enjoy also just seeing how people react when on the course? Like what kind of feedback do you give? Like if you're in this mentor role, as you said, if you have a cook or somebody who's working for you come out with you, how do you take, you know, all the info that you're gathering on the course? How do you take that and give that back in a way that's not overly aggressive? Yeah, it's it's one of those pieces. I'm not I'm not there to judge. I'll never judge because I've been judged in my life. I think it's important to to keep those observations to yourself, but take notes, right? You know, you put the stamp on there that says to be used at a later date. And when you get that opportunity, you know who you're dealing with. Because 
Leadership, mentorship is all about knowing the individual as a person, as an individual. I need to know what makes you tick. I need to know what makes you satisfied. I need to know what's, what's driving you. I need to understand these things so I can personalize my leadership style to you. But also, isn't there something that, I mean, I like to think one of the greatest gifts anybody can give someone else is frank, honest feedback. And it doesn't have to be hurtful. It doesn't have to come with emotion, but actually just be like, hey, this is what I see. Mm -hmm. When do you give that feedback back? Like, hey, you know, on hole 13, when you just got all sand mm -hmm. in that bunker and no ball, you just did the same thing for that swordfish. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the challenging part is in the moment is usually the wrong time right? Because the emotions are here. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. So it's now it's just about calming you down. It's about getting you back on track. It's about getting you on my level because I'm the leader. And then when we go into uh, analysis of the evening of what happened, we do that post shift discussion. This is where we can talk about this. I want to talk about what happened on the golf course once we get to the bar right? Once we get to the, to the meeting or wherever we're going afterwards, then we can talk about what happened. I just want to calm you down in the moment to at least get you to just kind of recenter yourself. But I'm not going to critique and give you directions when you're most frustrated or you're most struggling. So what's a unique way if there's someone that wants to get into cooking and is really worried about swinging a piece of metal, they don't want to play golf. What would you recommend is a way to find someone who can help them think through the process of being involved in restaurants and creating things for people to eat? Yeah. If you want to learn any craft, you have to insert yourself into that craft. A school is going to teach you why work is going to teach you how, because you're doing the repetitions at work. So, you know, if you're pursuing whatever it is you're pursuing, you need to insert yourself into that industry as soon as possible, right? You need to find the person that's going to give you the information that you want. If you want to cook Italian food, go find the greatest Italian chef in your city and go knock on the door and say, I want to work for you and come in and be humble, be professional, be aware of your surroundings and take notes and work hard, right? There's no skipping the work. You have to put in the reps. People underestimate how often others need them. So when you walk into a restaurant, you think, oh, they're never going to. No, they need you. If you are energized and you're ready to work, that is all you need. My mom used to always tell me whenever you went in for a job interview, bring your lunch and just tell them that you have your lunch and where's your desk and you're ready to sit and start work now. And nobody doesn't want to hear that. We're, yeah. we're both business owners. You want to know that people want to be there. And I think there's a bit of a block of like, well, do I email? Do I, you know, like them on Instagram or do I, you know, it's like, no, just walk in the door and ask and say, I'm here. Yep. Be I'm bold. ready to work. Be bold. I love that. That's a really great way to talk about it. I have a, uh, I call my kitchen cabinet and it's a, a board of advisors. These are CEOs I've worked for. These are presidents of companies. These are people that I reached out to who I respect that I've had a relationship with over the last 25 years and said, Hey, I want you to evaluate my brand, my business, where I'm going, my intentions, my goals, my strategies, and give me honest feedback. And it was one of the hardest things that I've ever sat through because, I mean, you want to talk about criticism that was constructive. It, it hit, it was brutal because they were blunt. And we were on a short time, so they had to be blunt. And I had to take it and I had to process it. And you know, our facilitator, who was amazing and that hosted this, this session, the recap, one of the things I walked away with was, brother, you have to be bold in your asks. Don't hesitate to be bold in your asks. So I've spent the last six months being extremely bold in my asks. And it's worked 75% of the time. 
which is crazy because I write the end of the story before I've even read the chapter. I know what's going to happen if I ask, so I'm not even going to ask. I've changed that mindset, so now I'm very bold in what I ask for. Well, Chef Bro, we were humbled that you were bold to ask to come on the podcast. We we appreciate it. I want to hear what's what's one of the takeaways from your kitchen cabinet. What what is that? And well, it's not one of the takeaways. You said one of the takeaways. But like, what was the feedback? If you don't mind sharing, one of the things we discussed was I needed a filter because I get asked to do a lot of stuff. I want to do a lot of stuff. And it feels good to be asked, to be included, to be a part of something. The problem is, is most of us say yes to everything and we don't manage our time. So we've created this filter that I run every scenario through to decide based on the numbers, does it make sense according to the filter? Now, I, I know I can manipulate the filter. I know that that at the end of the day, I'm going to say yes or no based on my own decision. But at least I'm taking an intention. I'm being thoughtful. Before I just jump into, it feels good. And then I realize this doesn't make money. This doesn't allow me to reach the masses. This doesn't allow me to plan, prioritize, measure, and repeat. This doesn't allow me to connect with partners who are going to be long lasting. These are the things that I'm including in my filter. I literally have them written here in my, in my whiteboard. And this is six things that I've run through every day in, in my business. You have to have that. We, ha it's, we have the same running multiple businesses, having different things happening. And I relate to even what you shared at the very beginning when you first came on about our stories. And there's a lot of shame in our stories, right? And I think for some of us, we never felt like we were good enough or we never felt like we were a value. And then we come to a point in our career when we suddenly are and people start asking us to do things and people want us around. And all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, all these people want us here. We have to show up for everything. And then it becomes overwhelming. And I love that idea of a filter, right? And how do you really filter out? Because you can't say yes to everything. And I think something that comes up um, with some of our sort of seasoned professionals who uh, come on the pod, they talk about having to filter mentor, mentees, right? They get a lot of requests some of them if they're authors or they're really out in the world they have to you know they can't say yes to everybody they can't mentor everybody do you have any kind of sense of how you as there's people that you've maybe taken a specific interest in over time and really help them you know kind of as a mentor grow their career what's your filter when you go to decide whether or not this is a person that you really want to dedicate your time and energy to i need to understand that this person believes in themselves and they're willing to do whatever it takes to make themselves successful. There's many people who will watch as you walk up to a ledge and you stare off a ledge of the possible opportunity in front of you. Not many will jump. They will all stand back and observe and make comments and give directions and opinions. But at the end of the day, it's usually you who's jumping off that cliff by yourself. I want to meet those cliff divers. Those people are so amazing because they're willing to risk it, right? They're willing to in in invest in themselves. I told one of my team members yesterday, someone I'm mentoring, I've put it all on the line multiple times from, from my health to my business, to my family, to, to my house, my financial, everything. I've risked it. I'm willing to continue to do that because... I believe in me. We are so unique in, in our makeup. There's only one you. So when you can look in that mirror and embrace that person and find power in that person and trust that person and know that there's never going to be another replication of that recipe. Those are the people that I want to make time for. Wow. So inspiring. There's so much here. I feel like we could go on and on forever. I know Jimmy has sort of his rapid fire questions. Well, Julie, we're going to have to change it because of uh, <laughs> all the F-bombs we're dropping. I think it has to be fast fire with Chef Brother here. So I'm going to have a couple words that I'm going to ask you. The first one's going to be, if I say mentor, what would you say? A trusted friend. And how about if I said mentee? 
what comes to mind? Vulnerable student. Sponsor. Valued business. And how about coach? Thinker. Now, this isn't one of our normal ones, but how many times has somebody said to you, I don't think you should use this ingredient. You should use that one. And then they've never actually made it themselves. And you went out and actually made it and test the recipe. You have to trust your internal self, right? I, I... <laughs> I was in Oakland cooking a dinner recently and I had a young apprentice, local chef. And when he showed up to, to network, because that's why I invited him, I wanted him to meet all the chefs in the room. He had his own chef coat and on the back of it, it said, your opinion was not included in my recipe. <laughs> and he said he put that on there. So when he walks away from a table, they can read that. Your opinion was not included in my recipe. I am so just enamored with that phrase. And now everyone's a critic. Everyone can just criticize from the very, very far sidelines of their home office in their pajamas and just sit and criticize versus, like you said, I loved what you said about the cliff yeah. diver. That's really going to stick with me. Who's ready to jump off? So I have a rapid fire question. Sorry. Mm -hmm. What did we call it? A fast fire question that we had not asked before. But somehow it keeps popping in my mind. Two things. You're on a desert island. What are you eating? And who's the mentor you're hanging with? We're eating fish because <laughs> we got water <laughs> and we got salt. So we're good there. You know, as long as we can fish and we can dehydrate some water, we, we're going to survive. And as far as mentor, I think my wife, this is the person I trust the most. This is the person I listen to the most. This is the person who is always going to have my heart at the front and center of, of her thoughts and her opinions. Wow. You bring so much clarity and you mentioning your wife, like right away to that is pretty powerful to me. I think it's so special when people are able to find that that real life partner. 22 years. 22 years. I think years. I'm at 23. <laughs> I'm only married two remember. years. <laughs> we did have my husband on the pod. He's coming back. But yeah, I know, right? It's a long time. There's a lot to be said for it. There's no new stories, right? This is, this is a friendship first and yeah. then a marriage. It's the best. So coming back to clarity here, by the way, friendship first, you're like really dropping F-bombs. I love it. If I asked you, what's, what is mentoring going to look like in 2050? You know, like people are like, oh, text messaging or phone calls are going to be this. How do you think people are going to be able to be vulnerable, express real raw emotions like shame, like what you said at the beginning? How are people going to be able to do that, whether it's through technology, whether it's through turns of phrase to be able to get people to feel comfortable? Like, how, what do you see the future of mentoring for you, for our society? I think we, we don't even have to look 50 years from now. We have to look at today. Um, and, and the biggest thing that it requires is effort. You have to make an effort to be approachable, to be in the moment, to be accessible and to be vulnerable. You know, I can't tell you how many young people I actually sit down with and they can't look me in the eye. They can't contain the emotions that they have built up. And as soon as we begin to breach the surface of a conversation, they begin to cry and they're angry and they're shaking. It's all so bundled up. So I think now or in 50 years, it's still going to require putting the technology down and making the effort to have a conversation face to face. I mean, that's really why we started this and wanted to do this was to really shine a light on these really beautiful and important relationships and that everybody has access to them. But to your point, it's just really a matter of effort. I would love to hear quickly about your book, if you don't mind. I received that message years ago that my story wasn't meant for me. I took that to heart. 
because I think we all measure our stories against someone else's and we downplay our own stories because we think someone else had it worse or had it harder. So we don't share. But as I began to share my story and my pain, I was reaching people and it, and it started with adolescence, troubled youth, because that was me. It proceeded for me to actually have some conversations with grown men. And I realized I wasn't alone in my own insecurities, my anxiety, my fears of failure, my emotional struggles that I had been containing, I had been pushing down for so long and hiding, right? Because I didn't want to be viewed as weak. I didn't want to be labeled. I didn't want someone to say, you're not good enough because you have emotions. And as I got into this process, I told my wife one day, I'm going to write a book. And I'm one of those that I say, I'm going to do something. I'm just going to do it. I'm a cliff diver through and through. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And it took four years. God continued to put these things in my path of look up and listen. I'm talking to you. You better pay attention. And it was so powerful that I continued to just follow suit and fall in line and sit in that passenger seat. And I had something tangible in my hands within those four years. So to put my story out there, to be vulnerable, to talk about my adolescence, how I found cooking, how I had great mentors, how I had bad mentors, how I proceeded to become an executive, where I struggled as an executive, going for it, starting a business, being an entrepreneur, beginning a restaurant on my own with no funding, no partners, doing all that through love and marriage, and eventually getting success on television. At some point, I broke. And when I broke, I gave up on myself. You know, the end of the book talks heavy on suicide because I tried to kill myself while on Top Chef. And when I woke up from that fall, that cliff that I jumped off of, there was shame and there was a choice to be made. That choice was, do you want to live? And it's a choice you have to make every day. It's, it's a story. When you wake up, you get a fresh page. Are you writing that story the way you want it to read? I've been very aware of my mental health because of that. And I think it's so important to talk about and share because so many people hide in shame. And the only way to make someone who's struggling feel like there's hope is to be open that you're not alone. Me too. So, you know, it's why we call the book, No Luck's Given, Life is Hard, But There's Hope. You have been sent to us by our celestial mentor, I think, to tell Jimmy and I a lot of things that we needed to hear today, or at least that I really did. And I know our audience will really feel the same. It was so beautiful to hear your story. And I am so happy that you are out talking about all the things that you're talking about. You know, just this idea of reaching out to others, sharing vulnerably, asking for help. This story has been really inspiring to me. So I thank you so much for sharing it with us. No, absolutely. Chef brother, I just got to say, you're doing the hardest and strongest thing by sharing shame that you felt earlier on. You know, it's really difficult for powerful people, especially with how society wants to mark men as needing to live up to whatever these social media ideals. But for you to level like that, as you said, your story is not for you. That really hit me. And I've been making jokes throughout this episode about the letter F just because it's literally in your book. You have your pun, no luck's given. And I was going to ask you at the end, you know, what's one more word that starts with F? And I think you already said it. It's fresh. You know, every day you have a fresh opportunity to pull yourself up and not be alone. That's really powerful. And uh, really thank you for sharing uh, for me selfishly. Like that's a, that means a lot and you're helping a lot of people. You know, I've, I've looked at what's the next 20 years of my career look like. And, and I love cooking. Cooking is my passion. I'm, I'm great at it. I'm really good. And uh, 
I feel like there's something so much bigger because I can only reach so many people through my food. I can only reach so many people within my business. And it's why I've begun to to transform into this speaker that is on the stage that is talking to thousands. And the book is such a great tool for me to stay on script. But I know this is my calling of how I'm going to reach many more people with, with my story. So you know, I'm inviting my followings along on this journey of me becoming a very successful keynote speaker. And it's it's amazing because they buy in. They want you to win as well because you're being vulnerable and you're trusting them with with your aspirations. So I, I love that this is is kind of the new direction. And I was I was just in North Dakota speaking to two thousand high school students. And, you know, I love talking to high school kids because I think they're at a such an important part of their life where they're looking for direction. I had a young man in the front row and I was talking about dreams and I asked him, I said, what's your dream? And he said, I want to be an actor. And he was so shy and reserved and he kind of, you know, he talked like this and you could just feel his hesitancy to even say that, but he had the courage to say that. So I said, you know what? The first step is for you to get over the fear of being in front of an audience. So come up. And I brought him on stage with me in front of 2,000 kids. And they cheered him, right? And you could feel his shoulders come out of his ears. And he hit me up. I got goosebumps. He hit me up on TikTok last night and was like, because of that moment, I'm embracing my fear of, of stage fright. And I'm going to pursue becoming an actor. And I love that. Like, this is what we're here to do, to inspire others, to make other people successful, because that's how we can judge ourselves. We are cliff diving. That part. Thank you so much. We cannot wait to follow along on your journey and we'll come eat at your restaurant because we both love food, (laughs) or at least I do. Yeah, go follow my journey at Chef Brother Luck across the board. So whether it's Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or YouTube, all that good stuff at Chef Brother Luck. Thank you. Phenomenal, fantastic. Uh, Really appreciate it, Chef. Really talk to me about this podcast mansion. Where are we going? Where, where, where are we finding our people that we want to be like? Podcast land? Superstar podcast land. It's like supermodels, except they're all super podcasters. I think that's where we need to find our people. And we can just ask them how they did it and just maybe do what they did. I kind of think more of Tupac's song, Thug Mansion. Every corner, I every city. I think that we might not be admitted into the Thug Mansion, Jimmy, despite your best efforts. <laughs> I don't know. Tupac uh, had a, he was, he was pretty revelationary. Revelationary. That's a great word. I have never heard that before. I think we need to continue to dream bigger. I never dreamt that we were going to be part of the HubSpot podcast network, destination for business professionals. And here we are. I did not know what to expect with Chef Brother. And wow, I was blown away. We did not reach out to him. His team reached out to us. So we were already humbled and flattered. I was excited to rewrite my priorities in my life. He was so clear. So clear. Are you following his F format? His F for format? No luck's given. Faith, family, food. I could be down with that. Might be more about beverages, but... For me, my biggest takeaway from Chef Brother Luck was just the reminder, and it actually felt like a little bit of a kick in the tush for me, of go where the people are that you want to be doing what they're doing, what you want to be like. We've heard golf come up multiple times in our podcast. I don't think for me it is a golf course, to be honest, but I think being somewhere where there's a lot of people who are doing amazing things is one of the best things you can continue to do for your career and for your life. Always gives you something to strive for. Like he said, you have to have, on your GPS, you have to have a destination. 
like Dora with her map. Amen to that. He also said it so clearly that even in situations that can be really poor, and even if you know you need to get out of that situation because it's bad, it's, it's not positive, there can still be great lessons. Great lessons are what comes from anti-mentors. But no matter what, you can't you can't avoid the work. So sometimes if you need to just grind through something, you might need to grind through, whether it's a day or a month or a year, and take away the great lessons, but know that that's an anti-mentor situation. Yes. And just sometimes you just have to be in it and you have to get through it. And then the other side, you can see exactly what that lesson is. And the other thing, the power of sharing your story. I think people feel more comfortable with being more vulnerable. I know actually after the episode, I shared a story with you that I hadn't shared with you before. Mm -hmm. And Chef Brother Luck was really like, it's okay. Share your story. Let go of the shame. Share your story. It helps others. It's not about you. Your story is for others. I mean, this is coming from an individual who at his greatest height attempted suicide and is willing to share that. And this is not from what anybody would call like a weak or timid individual. So for him to be able to really openly and, you know, without an ask or an intention, it was very powerful and really helped me internalize his words that I think came from his wife's, which were your priorities are your work. You choose your time. You really do choose your time. And Though you can feel like you got you box yourself in that you have to get through whatever you put in front of yourself, there are options and alternatives. They might not be ones you want in the moment, but they could really change how you feel in six days, six months, six years. So maybe for us, always talking about mentoring, some people perceive that as how you keep getting ahead or how you keep getting more and more. And maybe he was giving us the guide of maybe sometimes it's less and maybe sometimes that's okay. And how do you reprice? Prioritize. Make sure it's the things that you really want to be doing, not more. And I'm telling you, he prioritizes well because there's no way a chef shoots a 79 and doesn't hit the golf course once a week. I think we have to try golfing. Or at least I have to try golfing. I've never As golfed. I said, I'll, I'll carry the bag, Julie. I can't wait. Augmenter's out. Thank you, chef brother. We hope this episode was brief yet bright. And now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Go ahead, Jimmy. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about, someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email. Hi at augmenters.us or via social media with our handle at augmentershq. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.